0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Clay
1: Harbor. At Wembley Stadium, 90,000 sold-out crowd in London. And for some reason, my heart's beating, getting out of a limo to go date some girl. what's? First off, what's wrong with you? Former NFL player. I'm not a quarterback. I'm a tight end, but I've watched a lot of tape. I've been in meeting rooms with Tom Brady. I've been in meeting rooms with Drew Brees. I've been in meeting rooms with Michael Vick. Quarterbacks know what they can do and what they can't do, and I know what a quarterback can and can't do and when, when you're supposed to expect them to be able to be successful.
0: Play Harbor with Mully and Haw on 670 The
1: Score.
2: Mullion Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We have Zach Zaidman sitting in today, and we're delighted to welcome in Clay Harbor. Clay, of course, nine-year NFL veteran, a guy that does a great job breaking down the NFL, analyzing things, and uh, and local guy as well. Very excellent. Congratulations to you for that. And he joins us now on the, the Signature Bank score hotline signature bank making commercial banking personal good morning clay how are you
1: i'm doing great i mean i was doing a lot better before i heard that uh a little preview of me talking about the bassorette but uh no i'm good man oh
2: that's hysterical yeah well i i mean you know it is again as i said You're a, you're a very dynamic good-looking dude. I uh I wish I was you. It's uh it's wonderful to talk to you. Um I so here we are. We're sitting here and we're looking at these teams and obviously you you've played in the NFL. You uh, you know, drafted by Philadelphia. You're looking at them now and and how they got there. Um when you see this team and the way they've rebuilt it from a championship team, and there are still some parts left over. There's still some uh parts of the line of scrimmage you look at the Bears and everybody wants to compare uh, a, a J, a Justin Fields to Jalen Hurts and that's the move he needs to make, etc. But the fact of the matter is that that's a really good base that you have in Philadelphia that you don't have in Chicago. So when you look at the Bears in this offseason and the money and the first pick, are you thinking line of scrimmage out? Are you thinking weaponry? What do you think of?
1: And I think you got to think of all of it, but that's the formula right there. You saw what the Philly, the, what Philly was able to do in that situation. They brought in big time players on both their lines. Obviously they drafted well too with a guy like Lane Johnson, Jordan Mailata, but you know, Jason Kelsey, hall of fame guy. And when you draft a guy like that and you're able to sign him to a, a long-term deal and, and have them play at a high level, that, that helps a lot. But you saw what they were able to do with the defensive line, bringing in Hassan Reddick, a guy that wasn't overly expensive, that produced as good as anyone in the league with 16.5 sacks this year, and five five-fours fumbles. And this guy's a difference maker. And obviously they, they drafted well there, there still. They still have Brandon Graham, a first-round pick. Fletcher Cox, a first-round pick. You see they got Jordan Davis is playing well, first-round pick. Josh Sweat. you know, they got a lot of guys that they drafted and, and brought in that way, but they also – made some big plays in free agency. They brought in the Dominican They brought in CJ Gardner Johnson. And and there's a lot of things they could do that way that help. And there's some similarities. TJ Edwards, undrafted Wisconsin linebacker, that, that ended up being a great player for them. I think we got one of those. I really like Jack Sandborn. Fifty-nine tackles and six starts. I mean this guy was all over the place. But I think there's a formula there. They traded for a wide receiver when Hertz, you know, had a decent year They traded for a big wide receiver. They had a strong run game. You saw what Hertz was able to do with a good old line, a good solid run game, and a number one wide receiver. And obviously he's got two number one wide receivers, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith in his own right is great, and then he has a big-time tight end. So there's a formula there. Bring in a big-time receiver, sure up the lines, and I think you're going to see Justin Fields vastly improve the way we saw Jalen Hurts improve.
3: How long does it take to to put all those parts together? Because, you know, it's easy to say, well, do it the Eagles way. But it took the Eagles a little bit of time and yeah. very few misses. They hit a lot of home runs, very few misses to get to the level they're at today.
1: Absolutely. And I think maybe you take more from the Jacksonville Jaguars formula because you're in a very similar situation they were. Obviously, you got a new coach, um, you know, Iberflus going into his second season there and, the Jaguars were the worst team in the division for two in the league for two consecutive years. Worst team in the league. Brought in a new coach. They have they had a hundred million dollars to spend, and they had the first round draft pick, and they were able to bring in a lot of pieces on free agency, and then draft well. I mean, not great. They drafted okay actually, and, and then they were able to make the playoffs, win a playoff game, and I think that's something the Bears can do in the same situation. The Jaguars, you look what they did. They, they were able to bring in two wide receivers, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, some of the Bears might need to do, offensive lineman Brandon Sheriff was a big piece right there. They were able to develop some of their other offensive lines. Then they got Travis Etienne back, a big-time running back. They were able to bring in some big-time defensive pieces, too. Linebacker Foye Luikun led the league in tackles. Uh, Folo Fadikasi, a big-time defensive tackle. See, they were able to do a lot of things in, in free agency and spend that money in, in good ways and that helped them go from worst team in the league for two consecutive years to winning the division, AFC South, and then winning a playoff game and playing competitively with the Kansas City Chiefs, the, the team a lot of people think have a good shot to win a Super Bowl this year. I, I want
2: to go back to what you said about uh, Jason Kelsey. Do, do you believe he's on a Hall of Fame track? I know he's – you know, he's, he's – a- Super Bowl champion, five-time first-team All-Pro. I mean, th- he's got a lot of credentials. His brother, I hear, all the time on Hall of Fame track, but I, I, uh, I haven't heard it with the older brother. You think they both wind up in the Hall of Fame?
1: I think they've both wind up in the Hall of Fame. It's it's very incredible. Wow. And I'll tell you a quick story about when I met Travis Kelsey. Jason Kelsey was one of my good friends when I was in Philly. We would hang out. We were, you know, we were both young, single guys, and we'd go out occasionally, and. um, i remember one night we were, we were going out it was in the off season he's like hey my brother's coming into town i'm like oh nice man um uh, what we doing where he's like yeah meet at my place just walk to a couple bars hang out you know no big deal and then i remember his brother showing up and um and i'm like man this guy's tall i'm like yo what's up man you know travis clay nice to meet you he's still in college and uh he's like yeah you know i want to play in the nfl too i'm like okay buddy like <laughs> a lot of people want to play in the NFL. And I literally remember thinking, like, okay, this guy really thinks he's going to play in the NFL like his brother. Like, that's a good thought, man, but it's it's hard. And he played at uh, Cincinnati. Well, like, yeah, what's your numbers look like? And he's like, oh, you know, I had like 300 yards. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I don't know if this guy's going to be able to do it. And come to find out, it's Travis Kelsey, who's arguably the best tight end in the history of the NFL. So, I mean, that just goes <laughs> to show you, man, you know, don't judge a book by its cover.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. You know, as a tight end, I, I'm just very curious. What do you think of Cole Komet? Do, do, you, do you think he's good enough? He's never going to get open. He, he's learning how to block. I mean, I'm saying he's never going to outrun anyone. But, but <laughs> yeah. do you need another one? Do you need two like him? What do you think? About
1: that? You know, that's the thing. I, I, think, I think I like Cole. I like yeah. Cole Komet. I think he's a, he plays extremely hard. He ha- He's a really good blocker. You know, a lot of tight ends in this league. I respect the heck out of those guys that, that can really hold up at the point of contact. He can, You can put him on the strong side of a play, and you don't have to run the ball the backside. You know, you can do some play action stuff out of that because, You don't have to put him in the backside of runs, but like you just said, he is not a guy that is going to line up one-on-one with a safety and just get open or beat a cornerback and just get open. I mean, some linebackers, he's just not the the get open guy. He's a big body. He can run through a zone. He can catch a ball, but he's not going to do anything dynamic. So in my opinion, I think, you know, give Luke Getty some more weapons, bring in a, a big H receiver maybe a guy like uh evan ingram i know he might be highly um fought after this year but uh you know bring in one of those guys maybe you know
3: you know this draft is filled with the kind of tight ends you just talked about
1: oh yeah oh yeah i'm um i'm going down to uh to the senior bowl uh we could talk after that and i'm i'm really focusing on these these tight ends cameron ladu luke musgraves a guy i like from oregon state um Payne Durham out there from Purdue, Will Mallory, peer receiver, Miami guy supposed to be good after the catch. I'm really Josh Whittle from Cincy, Braden Willis from Oklahoma, Davis Allen. I'm looking forward to seeing these guys in mobile and really seeing, you know, who I like. And that's one of the positions I really wanted to focus in on, obviously, because I consider myself an expert at tight end, having played it mm-hmm. and, because I think this is something that the Bears could use, and I want to see if I, if I think any of these guys could really fit into that system and be a big pass-catching catch, threat in this offense that I don't think Cole Komet can be. I love Cole. I think he can make some plays, but like you said, he's not the get-open type of tight end.
2: It's interesting. I, you know, I look at this Bears team, and, and there aren't a ton of weapons, but obviously, you know, Chase Claypool, they gave up a lot for him they got to get the most out of him. I keep thinking if they add one top-end receiver, then everybody moves into the right spot. You know, it's almost like a, a pitching yeah. rotation. If you've got a yep. number one, you got an ace, then all of a sudden you're not, you know, you're moving everyone into a different position in that rotation. It's the same thing, I think, with this receiving core.
1: Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. And I know they've invested a little bit into this receiving core with the Chase Claypool deal, but you need another one. If you want this to actually be a, a good receiving core, you need another one. I don't know. I, I don't know if he's out there in free agency. Um, I, I know you need a lot of uh, other things in the draft, and we don't got a, a second pick until 54. And you, you can get a haul with that first. You trade back. Hopefully, you get a second round pick. Maybe you go there early second round. I know you don't. I know you want to focus on the defensive line with that first pick, but you get you get a second round pick. Maybe you, maybe you take a wide receiver. Those are some decent receivers in this class. Free agency, I think D.J. Shark is a guy that could be you know a depth piece. I think you know Jacoby Myers could be a depth piece, but you might have to trade for a number one receiver, and I don't know what you need to do. Maybe you trade, you get an extra pick in the second round. You can use that, package that up and, and trade it out. And you look at A.J. Brown. he wasn't drafted. he wasn't signed. He was traded for to re-kill. Right traded for so this has happened i mean this has been seen in the past there is you know comparables to that and i think that's something that polls is going to have to look at
3: clay you've been on teams that have had really good quarterbacks over uh, the course of your life when when you hear what the bears have said about justin fields especially at the end of the year when Mm -hmm. it's a two-pronged attack one is surrounding him with more weapons that's obvious The second part is a little bit more difficult, and that's the internal growth that has to take place with Fields as a passer. What does he have to work on this offseason, beginning now as he begins to look at the the job ahead? What does he need to work on to become a better player internally?
1: Well, something he can do now is just get on the same page. You know, obviously – you know, start throwing, you know, take some time off, but start throwing with your guys, you know, develop the rapport. And I know him and Mooney are good, good friends. And obviously now you got Chase Claypool here. And that's one of the reasons I like the deal. You get him here for the off season. These guys got to link up. These guys got to get to know each other. And, and you got to do some, like you You hear about Trevor Lawrence, taking his guys out to Hawaii or something and, and throwing out there and taking these trips to California. And you're throwing in the off season, just to develop that rapport. That's what the greats do, and I remember I'm in Jacksonville, and um, and uh, Blake Bortles, love Blake Bortles. I'm not not trying to bash Blake Bortles, but you know we didn't throw much in the off season. Finally, we're like we're gonna go throw for for three three days in in L A, and we all go out to L A, and the, we get one throw session. The next day, Blake can't make it because he's hungover. And then the next day, the field's in use, and I'm like, wow, this was such a cluster. Then I go to New, New Orleans. I'm sorry, the, the last year of my career, I'm in New Orleans. Drew Brees, similar thing. Drew invites me out to California to go throwing with him. The difference in those two guys, to me, just summed up their careers. Drew booked my flight, first class, paid for the hotel to put me, Kobe Fleener, in, in, um, up in a hotel, and then he would pick us up every morning at 7 a.m., take us to the field, and we'd have a specific list of plays we were going to run just so he could see him against certain coverages, specific cu- coverages. He had cones zo- set up. Then after that, he took us and paid for us to do training at his training facility for an entire week. At the end of that week, he took us back and uh, dropped us off at the airport. And I remember thinking, I'm like, wow, man, that's the difference. You know, Blake, yeah. we're out here. We get one throw session you know, it's very unorganized and you go out here with with Drew Brees, Breeze and it's just so organized. We get five good days of work in. So that's what fields have to, has to do. He has to get the guys together, get the team together, show him he's full show them he's fully invested and just get that time. Bring in the receivers one week, bring in the tight ends one week, bring in the running backs, throw with everybody and then that's how you become great and and that's how you get on the same page and that's what he needs to do.
2: Boy, that that is a great story and and you are right. That underscores why each guy has the career they have. And, and, you know, you've heard stories like that with Breeze, and we know how hard he's worked. And, you know, you're hearing stories like that with uh, with Jalen Hurts and the the amount of yeah. time he puts in. Apparently he was, he was like powerlifting 600 pounds when he was like in high school. I mean, the guy is like, you know, the reason that he's as strong as he is and as dangerous as he is is because he works his – tail off he's really made himself the player that he is
1: yeah absolutely and that's something you hear about him he's a guy that's in the weight room squatting 600 pounds and you know being out there for training camp this year and and getting to go back in the weight room and just talk with some of the guys in philly and everybody everybody feels that way about jalen hurts this guy's all business he's big i remember when i first saw him this offseason and and he looks like a tight end man i'm like who's that that's jalen hurts i'm like i thought he was (laughs) You know, a lot small. This guy's bigger than me. And long you know, I'm a tight end. They still stay in shape. I'm like, man, this guy's this guys Jack. So he puts in the work, and I think that's one of the reasons he's so respected. And these guys just go to bat for him, and that's why for the zone they can run the zone read so well. I mean, last game, you I mean you look at the stats. They put up record breaking numbers according to ESPN stats and info on 33 zone read plays. They had 221 yards for two D. De- two TDs, the third most of any team since 2011 and 4.6 yards before contact. And that's why he's so valuable. I'm not saying he's the the greatest thrower and people are like, Oh, look at his numbers. Is any other team going to be able to run the zone read for 221 yards and 4.6 yards before contact? I mean, the bears can maybe do something like that, but it's all because of him, his decision-making how strong he is in the zone read, how well he runs it.
3: So Clay, let's flip ahead to the games this weekend. Let's start in Philadelphia. San Francisco comes in. It's been a magical ride for Brock Purdy and the 49ers. Can they take that ride into Philadelphia and beat the Eagles?
1: You know, I think they can. I'm not I'm picking the Eagles and, and part of the reason is I mean that that Brock Purdy's great. He's 7 and 0 right and he's done a good job with that team but the Eagles defense is is really good a lot of people don't realize that they have 70 sacks they have 15 more sacks than any defense in the entire league I know the 49ers defense is good they only have 44 sacks you got two lockdown corners James Bradbury and Darius Slay these guys are two all pro quarterbacks these are lockdown corners Avanti Maddox is looking like he might come back the slot defender C.J. Gardner-Johnson is back. Now he's playing slot corner. They got Blankenship in at safety. And this defensive line, Hassan Reddick could have been the defensive player of the year. T.J. Edwards, great linebacker. Kaiser White has had a heck of a year. This defense is going to be the toughest defense that he's played against. And obviously the Phillies, like we've talked about, their offensive weapons. It's just a complete team. I know the 49ers are good. I'm a big Fred Warner guy. I think Nick Bosa is great, but I am I just think Philly is too consistent. They're, they're too good of a complete team, and it's in the link. I know how crazy the link can get. Brock Purdy's going to – I mean, he's going to be hearing some things he's probably never heard before out there with those Philly fans, man. These guys are crazy. So, it's going to be a fun game, but I'm taking the Eagles.
2: And how about the other one?
1: Yeah, I, I like – you know, I like the Bengals, but – got to realize, Buffalo was really, really hurt. Von Miller, Micah Hyde, DeMar Hamlin, Jordan Poyer, Dean Marlowe, Tredavious White. I mean, they had a lot of guys out. The fact that, I mean, I, I, that's how the game should have went. With all the players that Buffalo had out, that's how the game should have went. I know people are surprised. You know, Josh Allen, Superman, no team's going to be able to come back from that many injuries. And I love Joe Burrow. The Bengals had 31st downs. I mean, that's the most anybody's ever had against Sean McDermott, and it's crazy. But a lot of injuries. I know they're a balanced team. They had 242 pass, 172 rush against Buffalo. But it's hard for me to go against Patrick Mahomes even on one ankle. Andy Reid, my old coach, the <laughs> coach that drafted me. <laughs> you know Travis Kelsey, greatest tight end in the league. So I'm going to go with, you know, in Kansas City, Arrowhead's a very tough place to play. Andy Reid, he's going to know how to tweak the offensive game plan to make it look like Patrick Mahomes is... It's just Patrick Mahomes, and I'm taking the Chiefs in a a nail-biter Chiefs-Eagles Super Bowl.
2: Oh, that is fantastic. I picked that Super Bowl before the year started. Can you believe that?
1: Oh, man, did you put a bet on that?
2: I wish I had, but I did say (laughs) it publicly. Yeah, no, I'm an idiot. But I I had a friend in Philly who told me, uh, with the team, who told me, that uh, that kid was working so hard and that he was going to be phenomenal. He, he, like, read it. And they, I liked their team. I loved A.J. Brown. You know, it's just there's yeah. so many things to like about the way they put that group together. So I hope you're right. That would be awesome.
1: Yeah, I think it'd it would be a great story. Andy Reid and coming and, back and playing against Philly.
2: And the Kelsey brothers, right?
1: Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Two two brothers, wow.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, Clay, thanks a ton. Enjoy your time in uh, Mobile. Is it Winslows? Winslows Easterhound? There's a great spot down there everybody goes to. Uh, Great catching up with you. Really appreciate it. I
1: appreciate you having me on, guys. Thanks.
2: That is Clay Harbor. He does a great job breaking down the league. That's fun. That's fun stuff. I think he did a, a really interesting look at that. I love some of those stories, hanging out with uh, Travis Kelsey before he was Travis Kelsey. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just his buddy's brother. Yeah, good luck with that. The guy's going, on, going to the Hall of Fame for sure. Great stuff. All right. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Hall. We've got Zach Zeman on Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. And we are delighted to be working with Zach Saban this morning. David uh, is uh, on a well-earned day off. He's, uh, he's doing some important stuff, tutoring people, teaching children, uh, teaching journalists. David, always a good man. But, Zach, it's fun to talk to you. And, you know, we lost one of the Giants in the, uh, in the play-by-play world yesterday, Billy Packer. Uh, succumbed to. Uh, he had had many illnesses, but apparently it was kidney failure. He passed away at age 82. Condolences to his family. I believe we've had his son Mark on the show. He was working with the ACC network at some point, and uh, and we we've talked to him a couple times. He's in Charlotte. Um, I, you know, it's funny because I don't know if people how people feel about Billy Packer, but he was on that broadcast in 1979. With Dick Enberg, Al McGuire, that was Magic Johnson's Michigan State team beating Larry Bird's Indiana State team in the title game. And that is really what kind of launched the tournament. That game was so wildly popular, and certainly it helped launch the NBA after that game. So, you know, what a great moment in history that he was a big part of. And and Billy – I used to love when Al McGuire, he would they would get into it a little bit. <laughs> Al was such character. Uh it was great. It was a great broadcast. And and it's fun to uh to it's not fun to bring it up. It's sad that he passed, but you do a great job with DePaul, and DePaul is playing better, and now Marquette is coming in tomorrow, and it's the first sellout at Wind Trust Arena, and that game is at 1245 and uh, and Zach will be on the call to be right here on the score. Are you looking forward to a a, a showdown with Marquette? That, that place should be hopping.
3: Yeah, it's uh, going to be an exciting atmosphere at Wintrust Arena in the South Loop. I'm pumped up, you know, because the Blue Demons have shown they can beat anybody. They knocked off last week. They knocked off eighth-ranked Xavier, right? Handed the Musketeers, yeah. one of the best teams in the country, uh, a, a team that looks like it can get to the Final Four. They handed them their first loss in the Big East, their first road loss uh, of the year. And then they go out this week, and DePaul loses at Georgetown. So it's up and down in large part because the Blue Demons have dealt with a lot of injuries. But this is the first look that DePaul gets against uh, Marquette this year. The Golden Eagles, an outstanding team, ranked 16th in the country, explosive offensive team. So... Bring it on. It should be a lot of fun. You know, you were talking about that 1979 Final Four where Magic played Bird. Bird and Indiana State beat Aguirre and DePaul to get to the championship game.
2: Yes. Remember? Yes. Yeah. You know, what's funny about that is, you know, Larry Bird, um, there's like a documentary, which is, I think it's called Unbeaten in 76 or something. It's about the Indiana team Mm -hmm. uh, that won the national championship, had the undefeated season. Larry Bird would have been on that team. Larry Bird went to Indiana and famously, you know, was coming out of the gym as Bobby Knight was walking in. And he said, hello, coach. And Bobby Knight, you know, just didn't even acknowledge him. And Bird, who was apparently, you know, lovelorn, missing his girlfriend, whatever, he just went and got on a bus and went back to French Lick, Indiana. And uh, and then uh, he he was done with his basketball career. And then he was recruited back to play for Indiana State. And he ended up leading them to the national championship game. He ends up this unbelievable professional. He'd have been the best player on that undefeated team when you look at his career and how it turned out.
3: Yeah. And the scary thing is Bird had already been drafted before that final four in 79. Remember he'd been drafted a year earlier by the Boston Celtics. The the rules were different back then Yeah. Yeah, and stayed in school and, and, he is changed college basketball forever, and because he came into the n b a at the same time as magic helped revolutionize the n b a and then Michael made it a global game, the global game that it is today.
2: you know what's funny is i i uh read a book I think it was seth davis uh wrote a book called "When March went mad and it was there were two things that really stood out to me mm-hmm. um one was magic johnson played larry bird in practice before uh that game the week of practices it was it was like he he apparently hit like every shot known to man he was taking all these kind of crazy bird like shots you know and Mm -hmm. shooting from all over the floor and some of the michigan state players said they knew they were going to win that game because magic was just so he was so good when he was giving them a look as Larry Bird, you know, uh, which is outstanding. The other thing is that when Larry Bird was back in French lick and they went to recruit him, he was apparently like really shy. And, um, and he, they went to see his his uh, grandma, I think. He was living with his grandma. And she's like, oh, he's at the laundromat. So the guy goes down there and he's having this conversation with Larry Bird, who was staring at his shoes the whole time, like wouldn't make eye contact, was just, you know, a very shy person. and um, And they ended up, he ended up, like Larry Bird's entire personality changed. You know, he ended up having this, unbelievably successful career and having this charisma and all that stuff. But, you know, who knows, had he not gone to Indiana state, you know, he was, he was working at like parks and rec in Indiana. He was, it was what he was doing. So it's just, it's just like a wild story to think about. And, you know, Billy Packer, you know, just being connected to all that is very interesting. Uh, Zach, you're in your other role. You are obviously uh, doing great work with the Cubs. I'm curious, your takeaway from the off season, your takeaway from the fan convention, which was uh, was incredible. Dustin uh, was there and and his uh, his uh, podcast partner, Crowley, apparently was there the whole time. Um, there's just so much fun to be had. At those things, how what was your takeaway?
3: I think it confirmed what I, I thought was happening all along this offseason yeah. is that the, the fan base is jacked up because the Cubs are back in contention. I, I think there's a, a realistic understanding that the Cardinals begin spring training as the top dog in, in the National League Central, but based on what else has happened in the division, you know, Milwaukee has kind of taken a step back. Pittsburgh's forever rebuilding. Cincinnati is trying to rebuild as well. And the Cubs are now in this stage where they're building a legitimate bridge to that next generation of young players that they have in the minor leagues. And they are significantly better defensively than they were for the last year and a half. And there are names that you now recognize on the Cubs. It was tough. I mean let's face yeah, it it yeah. it was tough uh, when they they traded everybody away at the deadline back in 2021 and last season you know there was the names weren't as big but they basically gave away all the veterans uh, in the bullpen uh, by the trading deadline and I think what encouraged people was David Ross got the young players on that team to to perform in the second half they had a winning record so you began to feel as though a little nucleus is in place and now You add in names that you recognize, and it starts with Dansby Swanson at the shortstop position. You move Nico Horner to second. So basically the numbers, if Horner does nothing more than exactly what he did last year at shortstop, offensively as a second baseman, you look at it in a completely different way. I think adding Cody Bellinger to center field makes Ian Happ better. It makes, say, a Suzuki better. You know, Happ's coming off his best year as a big leaguer. Suzuki really started to come on at the tail end of last year, and you hope that he can take that next step now that yeah, he's n- no longer having to adjust both on and off the field to the United States and Major League Baseball. Uh, I like the additions of Trey Mancini and Eric Hosmer. Uh, I-, I think Patrick Wisdom becomes a better player in this lineup because you push him down. And uh, and I like the addition of Tucker Barnhart to, to the mix. Jamison Tyone makes the rotation better. If Kyle Hendricks, in in talking to him at the Cubs convention, he's he's confident that he can get back. He's healthy. He feels good. He feels as though he can be a contributor this year. And if he is, man, you start to take a look at that rotation in a totally different way. There's a lot to like. I, I don't know what it means, but I know it means that they can compete. And if they can compete by the trading deadline, maybe this is the first time in the last few years that they actually add at the trading deadline as opposed to subtract. That's what's school heading into this season.
2: And, uh, and we should let everyone know that you did make your picks for the Super Bowl earlier in the program and you went exactly opposite what I'm hoping for. You (laughs) took, uh, you took Cincinnati and, uh, and you took, uh, the San Francisco 49ers, and and I had picked the other two teams before, so I'm staying with them. But did you do that just to just to ruin my weekend? Yes. That, which yes. Thoughts, I actually I,
3: I of- actually think the games are going to be great. I'm I'm really fired up. You know, I it it could always take a direction <laughs> of its own, but I, I really am. F- How can you not be fired up? These were the four best teams in the NFL this year, don't you think?
2: I, you know what I think is really wild about the Final Four? And we haven't talked about it, and I don't know if anyone even cares. But three of the four starting quarterback quarterbacks this weekend all played in the Big 12, right? Because mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts ends up in Oklahoma, Purdy, Iowa State, Patrick Mahomes, Texas Tech. So the only guy – and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that um, – that there were five of the final 14 of playoff quarterbacks. There were five that played at, uh, at the, in the big 10, you had Skylar Thompson starting from, he was at Kansas state. I, I mean, I know they didn't want that. Right. And uh, Geno Smith at West Virginia. That's pretty unbelievable that the, the big 12, all of a sudden seems to be this quarterback producing uh, organization. I mean, the bottom line is Joe Burrow played in the big 10 and then, played in the in the uh in the sec and that is the guy that uh that is going to be interesting to watch because he is not a big 12 guy
3: he's pretty good i know you want the bears to draft max duggan and you know (laughs) (laughs) that's what you're saying
2: oh you're beautiful no no i i i really want the bears to trade down and still get an elite defensive player on their uh on their line. I think that they've got a defensive minded coach and, you know, we've heard him say if they could trade down and still have, uh, have a chance to take, you know, the defensive tackle, I think that's a good result, but we're going to hear like a hundred thousand different scenarios. And every time I hear one, I'm kind of like, wait, what? They're going to get draft picks for the next seven years. How if, is that possible?
3: If, if you it's think, crazy. if you think the rumors are crazy now, Oh, Wait yeah. until they get down to the Combine when everyone's together. Oh, yeah. You have the media mixing together with, with all the different officials from the different teams, the teams getting together. The rumor mill during Combine week and after is going to be bananas.
2: Oh, It's going to be so much fun. And it's going to be fun to talk to, uh, to Dan and Lawrence, and we're going to do that next. He's Zach Zabin. You're listening to Mully and Hall on the Score.